When I think of my next guest and their brand here on Grassroots Marketing on CannabisRadio.com, I think of a song that Sammy Davis Jr. performed with the Children's Chorus at the 32nd Academy Awards a long time ago. And the song starts with, another dream goes up in smoke, and so fire me up another toke. Yeah, I'm coming on. I'll flash it through my brain. When I get buzzing, suddenly they're gone. The inspiration running through your head. Instant stimulation. Oh, you're running on. High hopes. And I'm talking about a design agency that is our featured guest here on the program. The creative director at High Hopes Design joins me right now, Patrick Tost. Patrick, thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me today. All right. So your background is extensive. You worked with a lot of big brands, the Coffee Bean, T-Mobile, Under Armour. You're a cannabis consumer and advocate yourself, and you saw the opportunity to assist the industry's success with your expertise and left ad agency, left the ad agency world behind. Now, so I mean, I hadn't had a chance to go ahead and go completely into your background, but so with all the experience, you go ahead and take your branding and marketing expertise into cannabis. Now, with the environment that we have where MSOs or various companies are state to state, it's not a nationwide campaign you can necessarily put together. There are obviously different issues when it comes to social media or using any advertising resources out there to be able to go ahead and put products up and first and foremost. So you really have to be creative and strategic about it. Talk to me about the challenges that you've decided to put yourself into and coming into high hopes. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of that, as we're all probably aware, falls a little bit more on the marketing side. On the branding side, you don't want to be aware of, you know, uh, not being too attractive to children, um, you know, utilizing any parody artwork that might be too similar to, you know, an established non-cannabis company. So those are, you know, easier hurdles to, to kind of keep, uh, you know, jump over and, and kind of be aware of. It's mostly on that marketing side, like you mentioned, not only with all of the kind of varying, you know, uh, laws state by state, but just the the lack of access to to all marketing channels that you know most non cannabis companies have a have a the ability to access uh, you know um, when it comes to you know digital and, and print opportunities. So you know, like you mentioned, pulling experience I have outside of the cannabis space into maybe a more integrated or omni channel campaign that's just not really an opportunity um, here in the cannabis space. And I think where we see you know the the, the biggest uh, challenges for brands, you know, marketing a brand in the cannabis space is extremely challenging because all those restrictions, especially the ones on social media, because as we all know in this day and age, the best place to market a CPG brand outside of cannabis is to utilize this you know the paid social avenues out there which are just completely restricted um to can for cannabis companies and even the content cannabis companies can put out on their own on social is really restrictive so um you know looking at that platform specifically um in kind of comprehensively what i always tell our clients is marketing cannabis is you know, how did we market 15, 20 years ago, even, you know, so those are the kind of channels that actually tend to work the best. So, you know, utilizing uh, programmatic advertising, even things like direct mailers, a lot more print collateral than digital, like it's funny, but it's almost like we can really learn from the past on how we can market compliantly uh, for cannabis here in the, in, in the present. When I look at some of the clients you feature, there's quite a few that we've, we've definitely had on the program that we really do a, a really stand-up job when it comes to branding and marketing. Curio Wellness, I see Vitacan, Casa Verde Capital, Wonder, Akana, Jane, Bespoke Financial. We've definitely talked to all those folks <clears throat> and various points on the network and what they've been able to do. 
and there are a lot of cannabis branding companies. If anyone wants to do a Google search and go look, but what is it about what High Hopes does that really stands out? The modus operandi that helps you unlock their potential to get the most presence and the most impact on their brand. Yeah, yeah. So you know, outside of you know our creative skill set, which of course we're really proud of, proud of, and, and probably a little biased, uh, of course, I'd say you know for us, it's it's anything we do over here, we make sure all creative decisions are executed strategically. And what I mean by that is it's not just what we feel is right, or even maybe what the client feels right, but it's what the strategy and data tells us what's the right choice. So that's something over here. Whether it's building a brand from the ground up, or you know, like you mentioned. Uh, um, Brasco, you know, looking at a company like Kana, where we came into only accept, uh, I mean, we, we came in to only accelerate one part of their business. They were actually about to branch outside California for their first time and really wanted to make sure they could utilize their website as a strong conversion opportunity. So we came and focused on that one area and even, again, used stra- strategy to make sure every decision we made was the right one to help their success. So I'd say just coming in with that more strategic data-driven approach is something that really separates us from... Um, uh, the competition or, or just as an agency in general, specifically within cannabis. And then from there, I'd say, you know, other areas that we really hang our hat on is what we're always on the forefront of prog- uh, progress in this space, specifically when it comes to things like technology and even data again. And what I mean by that is for our retailers, for example, figuring out the new advancements that are happening with e-commerce platforms like Jane, like Dutchie, you know, and some of the other options out there and figuring out how can we utilize those in our projects to really ensure that we're, you know, bringing the best for our clients and and ensuring their success. So that's something I'm really proud of is our team is always on the forefront of those, you know, those progresses, talking with the appropriate teams and sometimes, and actually a lot of times, sharing that with our clients for their first time. Like they're not even aware some of these are uh, uh, open to them. And we know, you know, uh, we can bring these technologies into our projects or data, um, for example, to, you know, make the project in their, thus their business more of a success. And I know I touched on a little bit of the data, I mean, the tech points, but on the data side, it's, it's you know, we're always learning who are cannabis consumers and, and what drives their purchases. So just like with technology, we're always trying to stay on the forefront of what those, uh, you know, new data points that are coming out and what we have access to to help influence the projects. And then last but not least, I just say our extensive industry experience. We started in Seattle, Washington as an agency, which obviously being one of the first rec markets gave us a whole lot of opportunity to start figuring out how does this kind of rec industry work, you know, getting our, our feet, uh, getting our feet a little bit wet. And then obviously, you know, we expanded on that and started working in more and more markets like California and Oregon here in the West Coast as they develop. So for me, what I get excited about is all that industry experience because myself, I've only been working in cannabis for about the last seven, eight years. Um, I'm able to take that specifically to our, our new market clients, for example, clients in New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts. And I always joke, it's like, hey, I'm from the future because, you know, while every state operates differently, you know, we've been there, you know, six years ago in Washington and we can kind of see some of the the pitfalls that these clients might fall into so we can help them navigate them appropriately. You make a point about data points. And I'm sure we can always go into that route where the Benzinga type crowd and listen, respect all of them. They'll go into the whole point. Oh, we can talk about data driven strategies, data attribution, tracking around channels and campaigns. We're doing something in social media, you know, doing something hyper local. But it still comes down to the fact that when I look at some companies that do great jobs with branding and with campaigns, notice a lot in the beverage sector, a lot in consumer coming out of consumer packaged goods and just understanding what's on the shelf, what people will go ahead and find and be able to get their hands on. Plus, where you can also put it outside of the store shelf, what you have available to promote and present products. I mean, 
it would be nice to go and have billboards you could put wherever you want or have radio or TV campaigns out there as well. But those limitations are still in place. How do you circumvent those obstacles? Yeah, no, no, great, a uh, great question because I, I think it ties into uh, what I was explaining earlier about marketing a brand, a CPG brand in this space is is just extremely difficult. There's so many restrictions, and our you know brands' hands are, are frequently tied behind their back. So you know, right off the bat, something that we've been pushing and really excited about is is merchandising and the value that can bring for a brand. Not necessarily to drive revenue. It's not always about hey, I want to sell T-shirts and lighters and all these things to drive revenue. It's more like you were just saying of getting that recognition out recognition outside of the dispensary walls. And what's even better is when you set up that in a digital space, like on an e-com site, for example, you can now market your brand beyond your borders compliantly. So maybe somebody's visiting California and they really resonate with a brand out here that they've been looking to enjoy and they want to bring some of that swag back with them. Well, perfect. Once they're back home, wherever that might be, they can go ahead and order that um, that merchandise, rock it, you know, rock that swag where they're, where they're located. And then they're now kind of a walking advertisement for a brand outside of the borders they operate. So that's a really, you know, basic level but at a bigger picture, what I always like to say for our clients is, um, you know, cannabis is your vessel. What's your journey? And that's what we try to strive with our clients is making sure they understand what that journey is. For example, if you're a wellness brand and cannabis is your just your vessel, well, now that knowing that bigger journey opens the doors to, like you were saying, other opportunities where you can market and build awareness around your brand outside of just dispensary walls and even outside of just the cannabis consumers of your brand that you know exist. And what I mean by that is, hey, if you're a wellness brand, you know, now maybe go find some partnerships locally with yoga studios and put on a maybe sponsor a free yoga event or something, or maybe you can do a collaboration with a local juice company, get your own flavor put out there, maybe by using your terpenes that you grow. And that way, you know, you have the, the connection to cannabis, but you're doing everything compliantly and you're starting to reach the audience that's, that's bigger than just cannabis, but is really resonating with what that journey is. Well, I still put out a put an interesting story about revolutionizing, revolutionizing customer relations, unique strategies and cannabis brands. And they had talked about going to the Santa Rosa event of Hall of Flowers. The influence of cannabis with mainstream pop culture and the evidence of that. You see a lot of brands popping up all over the place that are being promoted by those that are in the ether of pop culture, you know, either musicians or or talent or you know, or actors or whoever there is that are also just getting their name and their brand up first and foremost, before the product itself. We can talk about Willie Nelson, we can talk about Ric Flair, Mike Tyson, and a lot of other people that are there that have been out there putting out their own product. What is it that you do? Do you take anything away from what those particular brands are doing because, because they've already built a name for themselves or they're just basically piggybacking off the brand name they've already built for themselves anyway? Or can you do something where you can build a brand to a certain point where it can be at that level? Same kind of capital. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's there's successes and failures on both sides. You know, for me, if I look at brands built around, you know, specifically built around a certain icon or, you know, uh, someone within history or obviously existing pop culture, I think of like the Garcia brand around uh, Jerry Garcia, of course, from the Grateful Dead. And, and I think that's been executed really well because, again, they kind of went all in, even with Willie's Reserve. And I know they've kind of battled their own challenges that they've grown as a company, but that was one of the first celebrity brands I recognized in Washington way back when. And, and I thought they were doing it well because, again, they kind of embody not just that celebrity, but the lifestyle they bring. Again, going back to that journey, they kind of attach to the journey of that celebrity or icon and really built the brand around it. What, what I worry about is the more flash in the pan approach. Hey, I know somebody 
who knows a celebrity. So we're just going to get them to promote our product. But if they're not resonating with that correct consumer of your product, you know, if you're producing a certain product and this um, icon or celebrity or what have you just kind of doesn't fit that same messaging, it, it could be really detrimental. And it and while it might spike sales or something briefly, I think we'll see that quickly crashing down. I mean, we've seen it with Jay-Z's monogram brand, you know, and again, this is not throwing shade at anybody, but I don't think that's succeeding to the level they thought. And we've seen it with other, you know, uh, Wiz Khalifa even, and, and these you know, don't really gain as much traction as that maybe they were anticipated. So I think sometimes, uh, uh, brands unfortunately go for that flash in the pan kind of approach, uh, grab onto something shiny and with a great opportunity, but maybe don't think how it long term can uh, can affect their brand and their success. Because again, going back to it, when we think of those partnerships, I look at like a Jeter's, for example. They've done a great partnership with Dwayne Wade. They they're kind of ta- um, you know they're really hanging their hat on that basketball, hip hop kind of culture, which again, I think resonates with who they are as a brand. So it works well, but again, sticking, taking it one step further, recognizing someone like Jeter's, they've, they've also integrated that partnership much more than just social posts. You know, they have a special curated collection around Dwayne Wade and they've done specific packaging around that, you know, he's had his input on. So you really also have to take it more than just, Hey, let me use this celebrity or icons platform to just get me some free brand awareness. You got to take it to that next level to really you know get all the juice out of it so earlier this month in october uh, you're in based in san diego california and one of the areas with california is that they've been looking to try to you know, obviously the state government the state the state legislature you know companies like yours would be looking towards them for guidance to hopefully give more room for say billboards or for more uh, possibilities for packaging labeling branding and other things and one of the areas that California legislatures did pass was Assembly Bill 1207, for which Governor Gavin Newsom decided to veto. I don't understand what some of the the modus operandi is that the legislature is going along. Why? And I don't expect Governor Newsom to give a rubber stamp to everything the legislature puts out, but there's a reason why it passed. It would have helped the state's cannabis industry with restrictive branding, packaging, and labeling, but he took it out. Same thing where he says, listen, addressed it, looked at it. And he makes the point that in his veto message about this, that prohibiting entire categories or images, the bill would sweep in commonplace designs. I'm not convinced these additional limits will meaningfully protect children beyond what is required under existing law. So children is the cop out. I'm saying that not saying it for anybody else, but it's the same thing as it goes with everything else. Government and the regulations that are put in place. I mean, same thing where, you know, we'll, we'll talk about interstate commerce. I'll let it happen. As long as federal legalization happens, it's always just one way or the other. It's wishy-washy at best, but these kind of issues you have to deal with. And upon comment, I'm taking what you said on LinkedIn. You talk about that as an agency, we've already began the plan to be, the plan the best, best steps for aid for existing future and existing clients. But, you know, you respected the intent of the bill that, Governor Newsom was decided to veto, but pushing back against his broad and vague language, that would have been another detrimental hit to the largest cannabis market in the world. I wanted to let you expand on that part, on what that causes in terms of that you saw this, this could have been something that would have given much more room to do more with what you're doing for your clients, but now the restrictions stay in place. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and again, you know, very thankful. And Newsom took a, a close look at the, the bill and agreed language was a little too broad because it would have exactly severely limited. It would have probably made California look a whole lot like Canada. And if you know anything about Canada, oh, yeah. extremely restrictive on the packaging. And it makes it, you know, we, we don't work a ton in Canada, but, you know, we have a lot of connections up there. And it, it is extremely difficult to market a brand on your shelves because there's really no differentiating factor besides color, logo, and, and that's really it. So very thankful, you know, obviously for what we do is given, especially that not only we call California our home base, but we have a lot of clients here. Uh, you know, it allows us to keep doing that great work for, again, the largest can- uh, cannabis uh, market in the world. And I think that's something also just to quickly touch on. You know, if that uh, measure would have passed it, it would have been another detrimental blow to ca- California as a cannabis market, which I don't know about you guys, but for me, if the largest cannabis company or cannabis market in the world is struggling, that's not a great look for the whole industry. So for me, it's like, hey, as a, as our government goes, specific, specifically state legislator, we should be doing everything we can to show that this can be a prosperous um, industry, not only for states to continue to adopt here nationwide, but worldwide, you know, and when California, you know, is just struggling like it has been, and this would have been a, a really detrimental blow, that would have not have been a good look. So very happy that, you know, Newsom recognized that while the intentions were good, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, yeah. uh, un, you know, unbiasedly, there are brands out there that I feel are riding that line, maybe going over as far as what could be deemed attractive to children. It's not my place to go ahead and make that, you know, make that right. call. But I see what they're going after. But it was too broad. And, and what I recognized, and, and I think really jumped out at me, it showed that there's a, a really really strong, uh, not even misunderstanding, but just lack of knowledge with government officials to just basic principles and how this industry works. And what I mean by that is within that law, they wanted all packaging to become uh, kind of newly compliant under this potential legislator by the start of the year. That's in, what, two months? Do they, you know, it showed me that politicians don't understand that at a basic level, most of our, you know, I'd say 90% of cannabis companies here in California are getting their packaging overseas. You can't get packaging made overseas and shipped within two months. You know, no, no one can. It doesn't matter if it's cannabis or not. So it just showed there was a massive, not only lack of understanding, but, but for me, it was a lack of respect. Like, hey, you're not even going to look into how companies operate at a very principal level before you start making these decisions. So uh, again, very happy with the decision that was made because I know and, and spoke to brands that it would have put them out of business just from the packaging side of things, not even compliance and remaining client client, just the fact of old packaging would have got thrown away. And a lot of a lot of these cannabis companies have a lot of their money tied into their packaging. So if they have to disregard all this packaging because it's no longer compliant, they don't have the funds to go order new packaging, thus getting new product on shelves, and they would have had to shut their doors. I agree with what you're saying. I, I and I appreciate you expanding on that because that definitely makes sense to me. The fact of, you know, what how much of a detriment it would have been on businesses. It, my thing was just to go ahead and see where, you know, if the governor would stay in lockstep with what's being done with his congressional suits, you know, with the assembly and the Senate, if they went along with this, you know, the majority, a pretty strong majority on both sides went ahead and voted yes on it. So if there was, then let's just go ahead and do some tweaks to what the bill was. Don't just completely let's see if we can find some kind of common ground. Let's extend the time for companies to go ahead and be able to do what they mm-hmm. need to do to prepare. But like you said, if it's that short, a turnaround, yeah, you're hurting businesses again, along with the tax revenue, the issues, and along with other various restrictions made on the industry itself. But now this is the part that, that comes into it. I mean, you, we talked from the beginning, you work with major brands before, and then this space is constantly, okay, but we can't do this. There's a restriction on this. We can't do this. 
what is it? I mean, obviously it does make you much more creative to work around the boundaries that you must work around. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I agree. I think there were good intentions that if the bill could get rewritten to be a lot more hyper focused on those areas, then I think, you know, it would solve the challenges, you know, or the issues that these, you know, the politicians uh, observe and also allow us to, to remain creative. And, and like you said, think of those creative ways to get around. For example, you know, we work with clients in Illinois and uh, one of them is an edible producer and they have strict regulations around no imagery or illustrations of fruit or anything like that on the packaging. So it's like, whoa, what a challenge where we want to communicate this blueberry flavored product for our client and we can't use anything that looks like a blueberry, even like abstract shape wise. So that kind of showed that, you know, it, it didn't completely, you know, cause the project to fail. We had to use, you know, unique solutions and use of color and other things to help communicate um, outside of, you know, those the, the usage of illustrations or graphics and things like that. So it would have been the same case here in California, you know, would it opened up unique challenges that I know our team can can solve. But again, you know, really uh, happy that, you know, as it stood, it was vetoed. But I agree. I think there were good intentions within there. And, and if it right. could come back in a more focused approach with a realistic timeline, then I think there would probably actually garner support within the industry as well. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't look good for anybody. And no one in this industry wants the news reports about kids getting into edibles and, and not only for the sake of healthy uh, or the sake of safety of our children, of course, but it's not a good look at the industry as a whole. So I know everybody in the industry wants to avoid those situations as much as possible, because unfortunately we're in an industry that has a spotlight on us. And anytime there's a little mistake or something, it's going to get highlighted a lot more than in other, other industries. And we need to be aware of that as, as an industry and make sure we're all collectively you know, supporting each other. And if that means bringing in legislation that tightens things a little bit, I think the, the value in the long term is well worth it. So let's go ahead and direct people to the website, highhopes.co. Now, the spelling, H-I-G-H-O-P-E-S dot C-O. Uh, branding agency, creating custom, creative solutions customized for the cannabis industry, specializing in branding, packaging, website design, marketing, and advertising. And for those that come to the website, you know, you're looking to go ahead and find that need for them. Take a minute to go ahead and just talk to our listeners about why they should go ahead and sign up with your agency, what you're able to do for them that you would definitely stand out among the pack. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, as, as a creative agency, you always want to go to that creative first. I know we see it through the data. People come to our site, they you know either are, have a great impression off just the first page or they dive into some of our work. And I think from there we see, all right, they move forward to, you know, submitting a, a, a starter project form to go ahead and get the conversation started. So definitely very proud of the, the, the work our team does. And, and I think it kind of within that, that's really important is, is the variety and diversity of our work. If you look at our projects at a whole, a whole lot doesn't look like one or the other. And that's what we're really uh we're really proud of because at the end of the day we don't push our vision on our clients again we push what the strategy dictates and and, and that's going to take projects in different ways so that's something that i would really you know uh you know, tell all listeners of why to come to High Hopes is we're going to treat your project individually, even within this space. Because at the end of the day, we wouldn't be here, you know, six going on our seventh year here soon if every project we created for cannabis looked the same and everything was a green pot leaf or whatever it might be. We wouldn't have been around this long. So, you know, we're really proud that we have that variety in it. And it really goes back to that strat strategy we bring into our projects, really letting strat strategy dictate the direction of our projects and e creating, uh, treating each client as an individual. Um, because that is, that's how it works at the end of the Day. You know, everybody's in an individual market with an individual type of business. So we really capture that individuality. And, and as I've said a few times before, uh, our industry expertise is a big part of why I, I tell clients to come 
at least have a conversation with high hopes. You know, we've been collectively in this industry for over 10 years, and that's not just to kind of tout that that timeline, but it's the knowledge we bring. We frequently have clients that come to us and at the end of their project are not only proud with the creative that we've delivered, but the insight and knowledge we've provided them. Things, again, like I've said at a, a detail level, maybe technology they didn't know is aware, but at a very high level, just how cannabis consumers think and behave. This is data that, you know, we don't have through reports. We just have through boots on the ground and being a part of this industry. And even myself, you know, I, you know, really started, uh, you know, being uh, an all around advocate and, and proponent of cannabis, you know, all the way back to, you know, nine, uh, 18, 19 years old, when I moved from New England to California, got a, you know, a, a medical license to, to treat some of my anxiety, kind of wanted to take a, a grasp on my own, you know, treatment as far as, you know, options out there. And then ever since then, you know, I've been, I've been, you know, a, a proud proponent of, of what this plant can do. And, and that's something that at the end of the day, I kind of end with as far as, you know, why I, I you know, I, I advocate for listeners to choose, you know, to choose high hopes is uh, we're, we're cannabis consumers, advocates, you know, everything just like you are. We're not in this industry to make a quick buck. That's not why we came in. We, we recognize that there's a lot of potential in this industry and we recognize, hey, we don't grow weed, we don't sell weed, but what we can do is help each brand and business uh, succeed one at a time. And that way we, ha- uh, you know, kind of take that rising by uh, tide lifts all boats approach. If we can help hundreds of brands succeed in this space, you know, then that's our way to really help this industry move forward. So again, I'm here with the creative director and co-founder of High Hopes, Patrick Toast, here on Grassroots Marketing. I really appreciate you taking time out. Website again is H-I-G-H. O-P-E-S dot C-O. Thanks for being on with us, Patrick. Thank you very much for having me, Brasco. Have a great rest of your day and enjoy the week. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.